back, Ram fans. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. We are proud members of the Fans First Sports Network. That's fansfirstsports.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our channel is at L.A. Rams Up. I'm your host, Mark. You'll hear from my co-host, Tom, on occasion as well. Hey, we're not Rams insiders. We're just longtime fans who love talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. We have another roundtable for you today. Actually, part one of a almost two-hour roundtable with Paul Wallia, Ian Martinez, and Tom Kortz talking the state of the Rams how the 2024 roster might shake out based on what we've seen so far this year. And, of course, we have the late-breaking news. Carson Wentz, signed by the Rams, Brett Ripien and Dresser Wynn both released. Carson Wentz, the number two pick in the 2016 draft, selected right after Jared Goff. He is the Rams' new backup quarterback, for better or worse. Hey, this is something the Rams should have done a few weeks ago. Carson Wentz has had his struggles, but he is a legit NFL quarterback. At least we do know that. And maybe much like Sean McVay rejuvenated Baker Mayfield's career, maybe he'll do the same for Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz might be actually a pretty good backup quarterback in that he can extend plays. Just got to cross our fingers that he doesn't do anything stupid. Of course, he's been known to make some bonehead plays while he is extending those plays. But he may not see the field. Matthew Stafford will hopefully be back for the Seattle game. But at least finally we can say we have a quarterback that's a known quantity, can play at the NFL level, and can play at a high level, just has had some really bad moments over the last few years. Rams made a couple of other moves. They waived defensive tackle Corey Durden. Could that mean Bobby Brown? is returning because remember he was injured in early October was supposed to be out five to seven weeks so that could align with his return for that Seattle game and the Rams also waived running back Miles Gaskin so as you listen to this roundtable keep in mind it was recorded before these moves before the Carson Wentz signing and these other moves let's get to it Part one of our week nine roundtable. You can catch the back end of that tomorrow. Lots of good stuff. You call yourself a true Ram fan. You're going to love this discussion. Welcome to another edition of Rams Up Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quartz. Joined today for our roundtable by Ian Martinez and Paul Walia. How are you guys doing tonight? Fantastic. How are you doing, Tom? Oh, great. <laughs> you sound so excited to discuss this game, Paul. Yes, it, 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 was a re, it was a real nail-biter. <laughs> How you doing, Ian? Doing all right. You know, it's. Uh, I think when you just don't think about bad football, your days are just better, you know? Yeah. That, that was my Monday. I just didn't I just didn't think about it until I had to had to watch some, some film. <laughs> and then it was good up until that moment. But uh, there's some good things to say about defense. And there's a lot of bad to say about offense, and we'll talk about it. Good. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk a, a little bit about this game. I think everyone wants to kind of put it behind them, but we do want to discuss it for a little bit. And then we're going to dive into uh, kind of moving on to next year and uh, 
what that depth chart may look like uh, and uh, who we figured out can play this year, who we figured out can't play this year and the, the, uh, the world's biggest regular season addition of players. And um, yeah, so let's start with this week though. Ian, what are your thoughts on week nine versus the Packers? Yeah, dude. I mean, two, just two bad teams playing each other. So it was not a fun watch for a, a lot of the nation. I'm sure Packer fans feel good because they've been playing really, really bad on offense, man. I mean, you know, they give up a lot of, you know, organizational cachet by moving on from Rodgers and that whole Jordan Love trade up years back. And I get it. You have to see what you have in them. You spent significant, you know, economic football capital, right? And he hasn't been good. So going into this game, I was like, all right, we're going to have a shot. Even with, you know, with Rippin, I didn't feel good about it, but I was like, there's going to be, this could be a coin flip. And of course the offense just wet the bed. I mean, what a shocker. And it's a shame. Defense did plenty to win this game. There was a lot of bad moments, but they forced multiple turnovers. They got the, the short yardage stops that they needed for the Packers to have to kick, punt or kick a field goal. And if I'm Aaron Donald and co, I'm just so I would just be so over this whole offensive just disaster that's been you know majority of the season, and I just think what really killed this team in this game is I mean guys we all know how do we why is ripping the backup quarterback? And no offense to him, and I've seen some stuff on the internet of of people really ripping into him as a person and you know go kill yourself you know all this just really awful things and people have pointed out that all oh, you know players watch this and unfortunately i saw some screenshots of people saying hateful things and brett was looking at those things so guys we love our rams we love sports let's just take a back seat your life's okay losing sucks we all feel crappy after it but life goes on it's not that that serious please. So that said, Brett is not a not NFL quarterback. He's just not. He's just not. I know he filled in for Russell Wilson last season, I believe, and won a couple games, but that's when their defense was top five. All right. And they were able to pull some stuff off. But did he make a couple good throws? Yes. He had a deep out to Puka. That was really nice. Actually, two of them. Other than that, I mean, he was just, he, he missed too many throws that they're not going to be easy completions. There was a couple comeback routes to Cup, he probably should have hit. There was another comeback to Puka he should have hit. But overall, it just wasn't good enough. And another thing I want to say, so that's one aspect of the offense. The most disappointing of it all, the O-line just got their asses kicked so bad. The whole game. It was really, really bad, especially from our two tackles. Awful, awful, awful play from the both. Joseph Noblum and Alar Jackson. They were not very good in pass protection, and they were awful in run blocking. Two of the fourth and shorts that we should have converted, which we would have gotten, by the way, if Noteboom would have held his guy for another second or two, or not a second or two, just half a second or a second. Same thing with Alark. He whipped on his, on his other block on his strong side. Bad. And then we get stopped on that. That was just two major plays, but overall they were getting they were just getting whooped all day. And that, it's disappointing. Really, really disappointing. 
And it wasn't that much better from everybody else. Avila struggled. Dotson didn't have a great game. Coleman got pushed around a bunch. I mean, our whole offensive line just got mollywopped. And I guess the Packers front seven is good and they can play. But to get dominated like that for the entirety of a football game, it's not good, gentlemen. This is a trend I'm not liking. I mean, our offensive line is slowly playing worse and worse every week. And it's it's not good. Not good. And it's, it's frustrating. But what is the one positive of the offense of his any? Sean McVay started to run some different run plays for once. <laughs> I guess he was forced into it. I saw a little bit more trap for the first time this season. I finally started to see a little more toss leads. Uh, outside zone, inside zone, duo, all of it together. So I'm uh, just really happy to uh, to see those differences for sure. That's the only positive I could say is that there was a better mix-up in the run game. But overall, it was not good. Quarterback play, offensive line play. And when you have those two things meet at a disaster point, you only score three points. So that's how I feel about the offense. What about you, Paul, Tom? How do you feel about the offense performance? Yeah, I mean, there's not much to really be said. I think you, you uh, summarized it fairly well. It's It was tough to watch. It really was, you know. I mean, you, you can't put it all on the shoulders of Brett Rippon, but, I mean, let's be honest. The, were the Packers' defense, were they really, like, gearing up to stop Rippon? <laughs> they were daring him to throw it. No. They were daring the Rams to run it, right? So, I mean, the Rams just they, – they were lackluster on offense. Just And the defense, I agree with you. I was really, really digging the way the Rams were playing defense. They came up with some big stops. Came up with some turnovers. Shout out to a couple of players on the Rams D. Monster Zero had two sacks. So he had a uh, eight game. yeah, eight tackles and two sacks. It's not bad at all. Kobe Turner, seven and tackles and a sack. Yeah, there's there's some bright spots. And it's just like I said, it's just gosh, if I'm a defensive player, man, and this is something Coach McVay and the staff have to worry about is that when will the damn break on that side of the ball where it's just like they're too tired or they're on the, you know, all the factors, too tired, on the field too much, don't believe in the offensive play calling or the players or the system, whatever it is. We saw that with Denver last year. It's coming if things don't change, and I'm worried about that. But, yeah, Aaron Donald had a good game as well. Typical, right? Byron, Kobe, Jordan Fuller had another good game, thankfully. Kept us in another forced fumble. I mean, really good stuff from him. Uh, Akello, I thought, had another good game. And it's just uh, it's just a shame. Another good defensive form is just wasted. Again, crazy. Yeah, not a lot of positives coming out of that three points. It turns out that um, the NFC West, uh, the Niners obviously didn't play. The Cardinals uh, didn't score any points. And... The Seahawks also scored only a field goal. So it's the first time since realignment in 2002 that the entire division didn't score a touchdown um, among any of them in a week of football. So uh, we have that going for us. As Golly, that's well. yeah, awful. <laughs> that across the board. Uh, yeah, so let's move on, though. I think you know, the Rams 3-6. and six. Let's move on to what we're looking at. Uh, you know, in terms of some of these individual players for next year, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, who, who, who have we learned? It's been this big addition uh, 
of youngsters, you know, first back in a few third year players here and there um, trying to, you know, essentially getting a tryout and a lot of them rookie, a lot of, like I said, first year players, a lot of draft picks, um, but also some guys that haven't played behind, you know, a very veteran heavy team over the last couple of years. So let's just dive into that. And, and, you know, let's start with the guys that we've kind of learned can't play um, or that aren't are going to be backups um, or, you know, certainly can't start, but are just going to be in the background. And so uh, I'll just go through the list. If you guys want to dive in on any of these, we learned Brian Allen, who is our third highest paid uh, offensive lineman uh, ha- is a backup center, right? Colin uh, Shelton beat him out yeah. and he quote, Brian Allen, has been uh, has been active every game, and I think he has literally a couple of snaps when Coleman Shelton went out for one, you know, for when he went out for a couple of snaps. Um, so Brian Allen, we learned is a, a backup at best. Uh, we not good. Alaric Jackson, um, you know, had some flashes there. He he won the he beat he won the left tackle job, but I think we can agree that he's not an answer at left tackle. No, he's um, not. And I, I just I just want to say this with the with the overall the old linemen. We have two old linemen that were paid to be starters and they're not playing well. No boom. Allen can't even get on the field now. Unfortunate for him. Because we've seen him play good football. We've seen no boom could play good football. But I think when they're thrusted into the lineup, they either can't stay healthy or they're inconsistent. Yeah. I think the same is now with Alar Jackson. When he was thrusted in in years past, we were like, wow, he's playing really well. But now that he's in the full-time role, defensive linemen, fronts, defensive fronts have time to study his tendencies, right. his strengths and weaknesses. He's getting exposed a ton now. Like I, like I stated earlier, every week is getting worse and worse. And that just can't be the case as a starting tackle. I'm not saying you got to be perfect, right? You don't got to be perfect. You can't. We would like you to be perfect, <laughs> but... You know, Rob Havenstein isn't perfect, but he's consistently getting the job done. That's what you need at your tackle spots, right or left. And he's just not. Yeah, yeah Larry Jackson's not doing it. So let's say that Jackson is a backup. He's not a he's not a wash. And then same thing we learned Joseph Noteboom, our second highest paid, or actually he's our highest paid uh uh offense. I think he's, he makes more than God, these bad pay. these bad contracts, yeah. Tom. Yeah, Jesus. and um we learned he's a backup. Uh Michael Hoyt. Uh, who at edge, you know, clearly not a starting edge uh, on, a, on any kind of a contending team. We learned that he's, a, you know, potentially a backup at best. And then guys we learned just can't play. I mean, Cam Akers is gone. Van Jefferson was a no-show when he had his chance. He's gone. We learned Zach Thomas cannot play at all. Um, why he's still on the 53-man roster is is still a, a big mystery. Like, he, he can't be inserted into the game. He's been inactive every week, so what, what's he even doing there? We learned Logan Bruss can't play, and, <laughs> Just, and we learned that Darion Kendrick can't play corner in the NFL, and you, at best a backup spot, backup here and there. So yeah. those are the guys that uh, we learned can't play, um, and then we'll as we dive into this uh, depth chart, we'll uh, kind of note the guys that we learned can play this year, and then guys that are continuing to play well. So let's start with, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll get into each of these position groups a little bit. So let's start with, obviously, with quarterback, right? We know Stafford can play, and we know that we don't have a backup quarterback. So, you know, fortunately, backup quarterbacks generally move around a lot. Um, they're generally available. 
just a matter of how much you want to pay for one. Do you want to pay, you know, nothing to a rookie or, you know, a million dollars, million and a half dollars, a veteran minimum, or do you want to go out and pay somebody three, four, five million dollars and have, you know, one of the better backups um, in the league? Uh, so what are your thoughts on what we should do at backup next year, uh, Paul? I'm sorry, which position again? Backup quarterback. Oh, backup quarterback. Yeah, yeah well, that's <laughs> we saw that. So we've gone from the Wolfman to now we have Rippin. Uh, shout out to his uncle, by the way, Mark Rippin. He was the man when he was uh, at Washington. But, um, I, you know, I, I really – this has been – uh, uh, sort of a trend with a couple of positions for the Rams. They'll keep players on, obviously, to save money. But when time comes in a situation like this, and they have to put these players in a role to actually start a game or whatever or contribute, you know, we know what the reality is that they can't they can't handle it. They they can't perform. There's nothing against Rippin, but you know, listen, he he looked lost out there. He was, you know, completely overwhelmed he was overmatched however you want to say it uh apart from maybe one or two throws nothing was on time nothing was in rhythm even when he was handing the ball off the, it, everything looked out of sync to me you know it, the the uh, the running place took so long to sort of unfold right it, it there was just something was off all the time regardless and he's you know and he's supposedly been practicing with with the team for how long? So, I I do think that the Rams have to invest in a solid backup quarterback. I think the time has come. You know, hopefully, whatever the situation with Bennett improves, and you know, whatever that may be, or but great great case example was what happened with Minnesota, right? They went and got Dobbs, and the yeah. kid played kid played solid, and even the announcer said if that kid walked in the beginning of the week. Only a couple of days. There was some familiarity with Coach O. But, I mean, come on. They they scratched and clawed their way to a win. And, as you know, as a football fan, it was fun to watch. I watched it, right? Because, you know, got to support the fam, right? Got to support the Ram fam. Yeah. yeah. Right? And to see, and Paul, you know. And, Paul, real quick. I mean, that Atlanta defense is pretty solid, too. It was, they're not some just yeah, Joe Smoke group at all. They've been had a lot of good moments, man, so – and oh, yeah, see, and see that kid running around there, uh, acting like he had played for that team for 20 years, right? Like he's you know fighting for a playoff. So that's what it looked like the way he was ru running around there trying to get the ball out. So I mean, they really got to you know look. The other part is this: staff. This is two years in a row in meaningless seasons that staff got hurt. Right? If if really we're gearing up for 2024. Why'd you let you know? Why'd you let staff take so many hits this year? And it's the same thing from the previous year. Why'd you let him take so many hits? It just doesn't doesn't add up to me. On one hand, everybody's saying, "Oh, you know, they were gearing up." So then you let staff go out there and get beat up again. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't add up. The formula doesn't make sense. Yeah, but they, they, let, they just better. they didn't get that run game going for a yeah. while, and uh, it just yeah they didn't protect him at all. Um, Especially, I mean, that, shoot, guys, isn't Dallas it just a game. damn? It's a damn shame. We've slowly reverted into a Detroit Lions esque squad the last season and a half. Detroit has morphed slowly into prime McVay Rams in a sense. It's just 
what a bizarro universe <laughs> timeline that we're experiencing right Jerry, now. Yeah. It's just crazy. And and in credit to obviously uh Brad Holmes, right? Former uh former Rams executive. What a shock that uh you know he is hit a majority of his draft picks and free agency signings. Yeah, right. What a shock that that's worked out there, just like it worked out for us, you know, when the McVay area or McVay era, excuse me, started. So what a bizarre old universe we live in, right, gentlemen? We've become the Lions where it's like, if Matthew Stafford isn't perfect, the Rams don't have a great chance to win. Sounds a lot like Detroit Lions in the Stafford era. It's just, oh, my yeah. goodness. Well, that's, what, that's how it was in 21, right, wasn't it? Listen, bottom line, Ram Nation, Staff's a gunslinger. Number nine, Optimus nine can still sling it. There's no question about it. The good news is you got Cup and, P- and Puka now, uh, but you know as we go through this depth chart, you know backup quarterback may look like e- an irrelevant position, but most of the time, they'll the backup quarterback may need to start a game or two, right? You get like a tweaked ankle, particularly with staff, right? You might have a tweaked ankle, you might have a tweaked whatever, right? And you got and that one game or those two games. They may cost you a shot at the playoffs. That's a difference between just like, you know, limping into the playoffs or going in as a contender, right? So I do think, and plus it's worth it. It's worth to make that investment. That's not the place. Look, I'm, we talked about this and we talked about kicker. And the minute we talked about kicker, I said, this position is going to cost us at least two games this year. And yeah. I, think, I think we were, I think we, we nailed it up to this point directly cost us two games, but now it's going to cost some more. Right. So, and then, so anytime you try to save money, it's those type of positions. And I understand with the, with the, with the cap manipulation and everything else. Oh, but, but Paul, but that doesn't think that I don't think gentlemen, Tom, I don't think that is, is a good enough excuse with the cap. It's like, there's ways to work around that so you have exactly. a decent backup quarterback. So you the have legit All these positions that we just don't ripping. care about. You know, we stumbled upon Matt Gay, which we lucked out. Let's just keep it real. You right. know, we Stafford was healthy the Super Bowl run where he didn't have healthy enough to not miss games. Thank you, football gods, for blessing us in that, that Super Bowl season. Right. But uh we just don't care. McVay doesn't care. Front office don't care. The organization just does not care enough about special teams, coordinators, and you know kickers, punters, and the backup quarterback. They just don't. They just don't care. We've seen enough sample size over the years, right? Well, they just they just don't care, and it's it's going to cost us more games in the future if that doesn't change. All right, let's move on to running the running back room. So obviously, Cam Akers is out. Uh, we have. So going into next year, we have uh, Kyron Williams, Ronnie Rivers, um, and then Evans is still you know, sitting there, and then uh, and then Freeman. So that's essentially the running back room. What do you guys think of? If would you be happy with that running back room next year, or do you think we have to upgrade, whether it be through a, a draft pick or through a free agent? Uh, you want me to lead off, Ian? Sure, go ahead, Paul. I'm interested to hear what you have to say Ian, about this. <laughs> Ian, Ian, and I are heavily invested in the run game, so I will. I'm I will obsessed, say everybody. That. Yeah, <laughs> I love running the football. I was hoping the Rams would break out the wishbone just to throw off the Packers' offense. 
tell defense. I mean, Probably would have been better off than whatever be all off. the other crap we were doing. I, I will say this. I'll, I will go on record. I will say this. So I, I, I think Iron Kyron, I think he is a, a starting caliber of running back in the NFL. Oh, yeah. What, what, he has, what he has shown without question. And listen, the kid got hurt carrying four guys into the end zone. Let, let, let's just keep it in perspective. A good run. The kid got hurt carrying four guys into the end zone. When's the last time we said that about a Ram running back, right? Um, and I will – I everybody knows how much I, I totally dig Freeman. I think Rolls-Royce, I think he'd be a great complimentary uh, running back. You know, take the load off free uh, out of our, for Iron Kyron on some of those tougher short yardage scenarios. But I, I got to tell you, Rivers has shown a lot. The kids got moxie. So, you know, the whole idea, and, you know, and Evans hasn't had a chance to play much, but still, kids got potential. It's a nice running back room with a mixture of veteran youth, right? But the one common ingredient for me that I see in all those running backs, tough, tough as nails. Every single one of them is willing to drop that shoulder. Every single one of them has shown uh, not just a little wiggle here and there, but they, you know, they won't run out of bounds. They're going to get the tough yards. I think it's a good balanced backfield. If you take a look at that room as a whole, I think it should be uh, Iron Kyron with uh, Freeman backing him up. Um, and I think Rivers, nice change of pace back as well. Um, and, you know, and Evans just providing the depth. You know, I think it's a good room. And if you want to save money, if you take a look, because I did do the math on this, on that room, think about it. This is a, this is a bargain. Those four players, if you add it up, think about it. That cap hit is minimal. And I'm telling you, this kid, Iron Kyron, will crack 1,000 yards rushing, and he's going to get close to 1,000 yards receiving. This kid can play. He has it in him. He does. I mean, he was Absolutely. he was for sure going to – I mean, if he didn't miss these past few games, I mean, he would have crossed the 1,000-yard mark pretty soon if he would have been healthy these past few weeks. And obviously, next week he's going to miss – or right. the the week after the bye because for another who doesn't know, it's not just any four weeks in a season when you're on IR. It's minimum four games. So he has to miss this Seattle game after the bye – there's no, oh, it's been four weeks since he got placed on it. No, he has to miss four total games. So if that wasn't the case, he would be over 1,000 yards, I feel. He was really close. I mean, he was top three in rushing, you know, after that Arizona game, after you know, before he hurt the ankle. So he was, he was going to do it, and it's in him. I agree, Paul. And I would like to see Royce back. I've been pleased, pleasantly surprised. And you know what? I'm not shocked that he's been running well because at Oregon – Yes, they are a spread offense, but they like to run the football a ton, and it's been that way for a long time, even in the Chip Kelly days. And he, all they ran was gap skiing stuff, obviously out of shotgun, but that's where he did all his damage. Yes, it was a little bit of zone inside and outside, like every playbook has, but they were primarily middle, trap, counter, GT counter, up the gut, smash it in, run plays at Oregon. Really great. He's one of the best Oregon running backs of this last era. So what a shock. He runs well in a gap scheme. He plays pretty well in, in that style of football. So I'd be nice. It would be nice to see him back. Ronnie Rivers showed some flashes in preseason, but you just gotta see it. I wouldn't mind him seeing, you know, him being back. Evans, we just don't know. 
he had some good moments in college, but we just the coaching staff doesn't trust him, so we're paying him super cheap. Might as well keep him. And then Kyron, Kyron's a good running back. He is good in pass pro, can run zone, inside and out. He can run all the gap scheme. Got good hands, other than the first couple weeks of the season, which was weird. Right, all those drops. But I trust in that group. But I'm not opposed, Tom. I'm not opposed, gentlemen, to upgrading. If there's a running back that's has the talent equal or better, we're all about improving the team. And that's as we go through these other groups, that's just how I feel. If there's someone who is equally as good as Kyron, bring him in. If there's someone better, why are we not bringing that person in? So if that doesn't happen, I'm cool with those four guys rolling in the next season. But yeah. health is the question. Ronnie's gotten hurt multiple years. This is two years in a row with Kyron. Royce has been a journeyman. No hate on that. But, you know, he's played well in these moments. But you never know what we're going to get, right? Evans isn't trusted by the staff. So who knows what will happen next year with that group. Hopefully, fingers crossed health is cool. But Look at these numbers. Iron Kyron, six games, seven touchdowns, only one fumble. Not bad. Yeah, he's, he's a good player, man. Not bad. Crappy that he got hurt. It's, it's yeah. Crappy. Yeah, that was super unlucky. So he's our first guy that we can check off that we learned that Kyron Williams can play, and we're all happy if he's our starting running back next year. Uh, let's move on to the wide receiver room. Obviously found another gem in the draft in Puka Nakua. We knew Cooper Cup is our number is, is a solid number one, obviously. And we also think – I think we also learned Tutu Atwell can play. So how are you guys with – if we you know, let's just say we had – Skoranek in there as a backup. We have, uh, you know, a couple other guys, whether it's, you know, who knows, maybe it's Robinson and Trammell, who knows. But let's say we, we roll with a top four of uh, of Cup, Nakua, Atwell, and Skoranek. Are you guys okay with that, rolling with that wide receiver room next year? Ian, you, you lead off this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am cool with that. But like I said, if there's people that are equally as talented or, or have a good skill set that fits what we want to do, which is <laughs> can you be every position other than uh other than an offensive lineman? That's basically our receiver room, right? Can you be the fullback? Can you block well? Can you run every route in the route tree? Can you make contested catches? Can you go block defensive edge rushers? Can you block linebackers? Right? Can you just be everything other than an O-lineman and, and a quarterback. That's what we ask of our receivers, and we've asked them over the years. Yes, there's special talents like a prime Sammy Watkins, where we didn't ask him to do that because he was, you know, healthy at that time and doing other things really well. You know, the last healthy OBJ we saw, he's not a great blocker, but he was fantastic at everything else. That's fine. Tutu Atwell has top 10 speed in the NFL, so and he's a smaller guy, even though I think he's blocked really well. Not like he's not putting people in the dirt like I've seen Cup and and Skaronic and Nakua do every now and then, but he's holding people off, which has been a great, great pleasant surprise I've seen from him. So other than these special traits, can you do all the other things? And I think all those guys can. I'm happy with it. We just got to get better better play designs, and I think they all could be eating massively like prime Sean McVay Rams football, offensive football. But if there's anybody in rounds two and below that we can snag, because guys, think about it. Receivers, there's a lot of good receivers coming out every year. 
that, that position is presently oversaturated with talent year after year. Think about it. First round, second round, third round. I'm cool as a special case being so late. Shout out to the Rams for snagging him. But I would be okay with it. But, I mean, hey, if there's someone who can do it all equally as good as the others, I mean, the cup. I'm, I'm have no problem, you know, bumping those guys down the depth chart behind up if that's the case. But if that group of four is our is our group, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I, I mean, to extend the conversation, we were talking about backup quarterback. We were talking about some of the running backs. You know, the personality of your team comes from your absolutely from your starters, but the personality of your teams comes from your role players as well. And I think that's something when it comes to roster design, which I'm really fascinated by. I love the role players. Like if you you tell, I'd walk around with a Ricky Prohl jersey all day long, baby. Right? <laughs> that's what it was all about. So, you know, and I think going back to when we were talking about guys like Rolls Royce, that you know he he reminds me a little. I mean, obviously not with the same impact, uh, but remember when the Giants Big Blue was rocking and rolling and they had OJ and OJ would come in and he would just hammer people late mm-hmm. in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. It brought that physical element. It was, it added to the personality of the team. Right. So Otis Anderson, when he would just hammer people. So I, I mean, I'm just, this, these are the type of things that I look at. And I, I gotta tell you, I love the fact that Demarcus Robinson is on the roster. I really do. Yeah. Well, uh, good I football mean, in Kansas city, man. Yeah, man. Watch it. Watch the dude play, man. He only gets a couple of reps, but he's full speed and he's physical, man. But that's what it's all about. That's why you you bring in the veterans. You know, having said that, I mean, if Tutu is your number three and and Ben Sko or Demarcus, whoever is there, your four, your five. Well, what happens if you bring in a dynamic number three, and that Tutu is your four? That does that's not a bad thing. Now you got four firecrackers ready to go off at any given moment, right? So that's the thing. It's like you you have to know like what your vision of the team is, and you have to go out there and look for those type of players. Look, look what Ob did for the squad. I mean, come on, that put the Rams at a completely different level. And if he doesn't oh, yeah. get hurt in the Super Bowl, they run away with that game. You oh, know, easily they run, away, they run away with that game. But good, you know, hey, good, you know, hey, good times, gentlemen. That wasn't that long ago, but gosh, has has the bad season yeah, right? and have aged us, hasn't it? <laughs> but but these are the things, and we've talked about this before, Ian. Right, timing is everything. Those opportunities are there every year, so you don't want to make a multi-year investment. So be it. Totally understand. Be patient. Wait for your opportunity, and a player is going to come along. You get that opportunity to snag somebody, right? That fits your team, brings a little bit of whatever it may be that you need. And that's what they have to look at for these role players, these depth pieces, right? Their spots are there. Find the right fit and really help develop the personality of this squad and the identity mm-hmm. for the squad on both sides of the ball. And I think that's what's been missing the last two years. They bring, they've been bringing people in and not necessarily looking to see how they fit. So, for example, Freeman, we were talking about Freeman and Iron Kyron. Both of them play well out of the shotgun. Rams play a ton of shotgun. Not every running back runs well out of the shotgun. Not every running back is designed to do that, correct? So there's a little thing like that. What about blitz pickup? Iron Kyron, the dude is a rock in blitz pickup. 
He levels people, and, and Freeman is solid in blitz pickup. So those are the elements. There's, there's always that other element to player evaluation that you sort of have to pay attention to when you look at some of these rosters. Yeah, well, think about think well, perfect on that on that note of blocking. Ben Skoranek wouldn't be on this team can if he Absolutely. couldn't block really well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not that he's a bad receiver and he's improved. That rookie season was rough, and we, you know, there was a couple of moments in those championship games that that could have cost us the the bowl. You know. Against the Niners and, and, like, and the Bengals. Are you trying to say he was looking like Roberto Duran, hands of stone? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that, that was uh, good on you, Benny Skull, for improving. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for being Thank a, you for being the judge machine. Uh, yeah, dude. So, uh, but yeah, if he wasn't a good blocker, I mean, I, after that year, that could have been, all right, see you later. You almost cost us a bowl. Right. And he's really great at blocking. And and so these, these role guys, it matters. And as our skilled players, you got to be able to block. That's just how we do things. That's just how it is. So, and Tom, you want to know where the proof is? Ian talks about Ben Sko lining up at fullback every segment, Bram Nation. Ian mentions it at least twice. He's that's good. The, that's He's the good value it, of a role player. That's the value of a role player. He's really good at it. And I liked when we were doing last season a little bit of that play heavy play action and he would slip out. Not like an old, uh, what they would call like power pass where it was like a sale concept where you have somebody short, intermediate, and deep. He was going deep out of the backfield because he's a receiver. So that was cool to see. And we hit that almost every time when we were doing it. And then, of course, you know, like, like I've stated, the offense is now basic and we just don't do any of that anymore, which I don't understand. He looked like Jack Snow. Uh, that stealing game when he caught that touchdown, man, he looked smooth. Yeah, that was yeah. that was fun to see some of that stuff. So, okay, so in the wide receiver room, we agree we have a solid three, four, uh, you know, good good backups. Um, we learned that two guys can play that we didn't know if they could play, Pukunuku and Tutu Atwell, which are both been very pleasant surprises. And maybe we had a third uh, kind of a dynamic uh, receiver to the room to add kind of that OBJ kind of a, a of a of an element um, to the room. So okay, good. So so far, all we really need next year, guys, is a backup quarterback. But I think we're I think we're moving into some positions of of greater need. Um, so let's get let's get to the tight end room, right? So in the tight end room, uh, Bryson Hopkins is a free agent and almost surely won't be back. Uh, so that leaves. Higby, who was extended, and um, Hopkins, I'm sorry, um, Hopkins, a free agent, and Long and Allen, neither of whom have really gotten on the field. So uh, what are your thoughts on that tight end room? Obviously, Higby being the starter going into next season. Yeah. Go ahead, Paul. You know, listen, I don't have to speak for uh, Tommy. Tom and I are in the same vein. We are not buying Higby jerseys anytime soon. They extended him, unfortunately, so that means he's going to be around. So he's going to be the starter. Well, you know, in this offense, he they ask him to do a lot, particularly uh, when it comes on the blocking side of it. Um, Davis Allen, I'm you know, listen, I, I'm a big Bryson Hopkins fan. I think that's a missed opportunity. I think he's going to catch on somewhere. You know, I think he's a solid player. Uh, Davis Allen has been talked about by Sean McVay uh, on. Last, I I recall, about two separate occasions of press conferences for a young kid to get Sean McVay to even mention them uh, with the with the, uh, you know, minuscule number of snaps that he's received. 
I think says a lot. So I think they like him. He's physical. He's got uh, he's got the NFL body for a tight end. He's got a lot of pass catching potential. Question is, when does he get a chance to see the field? Because they extended Higby. Uh, it wasn't just a one year. I think it was two year. So you know. Well, with that, well, with that, Paul, you know, this team is a look at. I give credit to the Rams in this respect. If they give out a bad contract, which they've done a lot, <laughs> they'll bail on you. They'll move off it. They'll be like, oh, mistake. See you later. So so if things continue to trend downward for Higby, which based off McVay's comments with him saying, you know, Higby's been fighting through a lot of different ailments this, this whole season, it's – I, maybe they. I would say that that's probably unlikely for them to cut him or trade him away. But it's it's been unfortunate, man. I think injuries do play a hand. I mean, there's something with his wrist or his forearm that's been bothering him and his knee. I mean, Tyler's just he's just beat up, man. That's just really what it comes down to, and it's unfortunate. But if this team feels like, hey, we made we gave a bad contract, they'll they'll bail on him. They'll do it. So, so just on the just on the track record of Higby getting hurt, you know, Davis Allen might get some some burn. So that's a good thing. So you you know, it's it's a situation where I think if the Rams played more two tight end looks, I think it would really benefit them in a lot of different ways. And Paul, which for once a positive, if there was any on offense, the few other few that I said, we ran, <laughs> we ran the the twenty uh the twelve personnel. Excuse me, I'm getting my numbers mixed up. The two tight end, one running back set six times. Yeah. And we're making progress. <laughs> we're making progress. It was zero the whole season up until this point. So, and that was probably a a, a factor of Stafford being out, Higby having hand injuries. Right. But right. it's something that I hope to see, you know, continue through this you know latter part of the of the season. So, yeah, I mean, the tight end room, I, we just don't know with Davis, right? Bryson just hasn't hit the field enough, but when he's been out there, he's made some catches, made some key blocks. Thank you for the Super Bowl performance. You saved the, the whole yeah. season. Thank you, Bryson Hopkins. So we know that the big moment is not too big for him, but is he, can he be consistent? I don't know if we'll find out or not. We'll see what happens because this is his contract year. Like yeah. I said, Davis Allen, we just don't know. And then uh, who am I blanking on right now? Long. Our other tight end. Um, long. Oh, Long in the Ramsey trade. Well, <laughs> How was that trade worked out, everybody? So <laughs> yeah, he he uh, so he was reactivated. He's back at practice. He just hasn't been reactivated to the fifty-three yet, but that'll happen probably after the uh, after the um, the bye week. So yeah, real so, quick, Tom, to answer your question, how do I feel about the room? Let's just keep drafting until we find another find another Higby that is not hurt. <laughs> That's really it. Because when Higby is on, he's a really good tight end, but he's just been banged up and inconsistent these last few years it's unfortunate so yeah we have Higby who gets hurt we have Higby who gets hurt and two guys that we have some confidence in but are kind of unknowns and we don't that we don't really know about uh Davis Allen and Hunter Long so um okay so we move on to the offensive line so what we, we we kind of went into this a little bit in terms of who we realize can't play so we we know that it's not Allen, you know, Larry Jackson, Joe Noteboom, Zach Thomas, Logan Bruss. We learned a lot about the offensive line so far this year. Uh, and so what is that? Where does that leave us? That leaves us at 
In a crappy uh, spot, and, Tom. Yeah, and left tackle, we need somebody to replace Jackson. I mean, that's what we've learned, right? And so oh, yeah. uh, that's a big replacement. Um, I think uh, <clears throat> we know that he and Noteboom are probably – they've both shown. We don't know. It's not, I mean, we, we, it's not that we have to guess. They've both shown that they can be very good spot backups for a game or two or yeah. you know, a, a half or whatever when somebody goes off the field. Those are two very solid – offensive lineman backup offensive lineman they just can they just get exposed as paul pointed out earlier when there's a lot of tape on them or, or i'm not sure if it was paul or ewing but yeah when there's a lot of tape on them and uh yeah. people can can start to scheme around them but um in terms of left guard steve avila i think we can all agree that he's solid we that was a big find um in the draft and uh yeah good on them for for drafting a guy that that we know that um that can play. And I think to that point real quick on, on the Avila, when now we're on yeah. now, I just think with offensive linemen coming out of college, it's just so hard to evaluate that position unless they're really incredible in the offense they run, which there's only a few schools out of all the gazillion that, you know, have players coming out to enter the draft. If you're not a Big Ten school for the most part, or you're not a SEC school, everyone else runs a spread offense with NFL little sprinkles in the passing game. But in the run game and in pass protection, it's very, very minute compared to the heavy nuances that an NFL offensive lineman has to be aware of and account for in their blocking, you know, surface, you know, you could say the transition is so drastic. And I don't think people realize it. This isn't like 20 years ago where everyone in college and the NFL ran similar schematics and play calls. Everything sounded similar. How you would run plays was similar. Everything has deviated so far away from each other. And now you see the NFL picking and choosing good plays from college. That's cool. But overall, there's just so much that goes into being an offensive lineman in terms of just the brain power, which you have to know, recognize, and all that. And college football, it is so it is so basic compared to the NFL. I'm not saying it's easy. So we have to give these rookie offensive linemen a year and some change to really get up to speed. There's been a lot of good moments from Steve, but there's been a lot of, that's not very good from you, Mr. Avila. But I think that's in case or that is because of that transition. He was at TCU running a spread offense. It was a couple traps here, a couple powers here, inside, outside zone. Pass protection was just full house style, like they, like they used to say back in the day. And that's really it. Now there's just so many combos. Like, like I said, it just gets super complicated. So I think next year he'll really get a grip on it, and I think he'll play much better. But I'm happy that we took him. I've seen a lot of good, and I think there'll be more good days than bad, like we've seen so far. But give it yeah. time, everybody. Give it time. Steve, Steve Avila, you know, definitely the big nasty. There's no question on that line, right? The kid, he's a solid pick. You know, listen, you also have the potential guard or center. You know, whatever scheme that develops for the Rams offensively down the road, you know, that type of, you know, scheme versatility in a player, you know, that's worth the price of admission. Right. But I, you know, I agree with you, Ian. I think it's really, really difficult with because the college game is so deviant from the NFL game on a lot of different mm -hmm. levels. Right. Um, so uh, 
and I think when you evaluate players, I think great example. Remember when the Rams drafted that left tackle from Baylor? Oh, I always forget his name. I think I blocked it out because of the trauma, right? They drafted <laughs> him from Baylor. And one thing was he played in an offense where he was always – he never played with his his, his uh, hand on the ground. Never played with his hand in the dirt. Not one snap. Yeah, crazy. And when he came to the NFL, he couldn't – just could not adapt, right? So little things like that matter. So – the funny thing in our analysis for Ram Nation to pay attention to is look at that. We've talked about how many different position groups and not one of them was a glaring, glaring weakness. Now, the inconsistent play of an offensive line. Think about this. The inconsistent play of an offensive line, how it can just short circuit an entire offense. This offense, we all agree, should be a top five offense. But because we have not been able for two years to get our offensive line play in gear, look what's happened, right? We're having this discussion. But if you go position group by position group, the Rams on offense, it's not, you know, all, you know, doom and gloom. But when you talk about the offensive line, then you really come up to some very real question marks. So Avila definitely can play. Coleman can definitely play. Uh, uh, the Havenstein monster can definitely play. I think the reality is that Alaric Jackson is a good player. He's a good right tackle. Left tackle, it's hard to come right off the street and play left tackle, right? He's learning the nuances of playing left tackle. So, but you also have some scheme flexibility there. Jackson could be a great right guard next to the Havenstein monster. You got Dotson now with some a flexibility. Dotson's played tackle before as well as guard. Yeah. So you have some definite uh, ability there. You have some good rock-solid players. Now the key is how do we get them to play consistently? How do they, how do they handle those blitz pickups? That's really where they teams have been really uh, attacking them, is really attacking the left side of the offensive line. Jackson, first-time starter for a full season. Avila, young kid, right? It makes a lot of sense, right? That's where you're going to get exotic on them. That's where they might be a step slow. And that's where you're going to get um, the best chance of success. So I think there's a lot of potential there. The The bottom line is finding your best five. Um, I think the trend in the NFL should be, if I was a GM, is that I am constantly using top 100 picks on O-line. I'm yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You're You're creating almost like that farm system mentality. You got two, three players always in the wings, ready to play. I think the problem has been, listen, football is a game of there is just constant injuries. And what has happened is every time the Rams have lost a starter on offense in terms of O-line, what has happened? The entire O-line fell apart, right? Dotson carried us for a couple of games, right? We saw that. But – that's been the trend for the Rams. The players that we thought could play behind the starters, that second team depth has never really been able to step up. So I think that needs to be an area of focus moving forward. Got to have quality depth. Injuries are going to happen on the O-line. It's just a reality in the NFL, and you just can't just toss in the towel every time you get an injury on the offensive line. That can't yeah. be. That can't be the trend any longer. Yeah, I mean, if we look at this, we say, you know, well, we just have too many guys that are 
borderline backups are all there's almost the whole offensive line yeah. short of uh you know avila is a is a we think a, a good starter he's a rook right he's learning the ropes um and he's playing well but uh, and havenstein is a you know a, a veteran who's solid right tackle right but other than that jackson solid backup that we talked about right no boom solid backup um shelton was a backup and he beat out brian allen to go in there he's our best option um but was a backup center and guard. And then Dotson came off the, the scrap, or, you know, as a trade, I'm sorry, they got they discarded yeah. from the from the Steelers for next to nothing. And he's played well, but probably is a borderline starter backup, right? And so we have all these guys that are playing well enough to start, but they're not, you can't have all of those guys on the line at once. You need, they can play if there's three studs. You could have Dotson in a villain, you know, or something like that. So, I mean, and the other thing is Shelton and Dotson are both free agents, along with another backup, Ankrum, who can't get on the field. He won the job at right guard in camp, and he's the, he's the third string right guard. Yeah. Think about it this way. What's the most important position in the NFL next to quarterback on offense? Left tackle. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. And when the Rams – think about our championship years. Slater and Whitworth. Big Wit, Big Wit, man, Hall of Famer. Was that not one of the best moves the Rams ever made? Was getting Wit? Oh, easily, right? Top five. And top everybody five. said he's over the hill and everything else. The Rams yeah. were like, "Hey, listen, he's still a top what? Top seven left tackle, top five left tackle." And listen, For left sure. tackle yeah. is a position you cannot, you know, just say, "Listen, I'm going to scheme this." You can't. It's impossible. Left tackle is your quarterback's blind side. It's got to work. It's got to work. And it's got to give that quarterback. Listen, if Staff knew that he had a left tackle that, you know, that's got him, you know, in a safe place, Staff's going to stand back there and throw with confidence. It makes a difference. It really does. And this left tackle scenario, they have to do a better job of coming into the season saying, this is our plan for left tackle. This is our backup left tackle. But to be able to say it with confidence, yeah, yeah. So I think real, agree. real quick, gentlemen, I just I just stumbled upon a, a disturbing little stat about the O line from this year and last year. And look, yes, PFF is not the the bible of how good or bad a player is, but it does it does most of the time come in alignment with how it looks on film because they study film and and that. So, up until this point right now, the Rams are ranked 36th in pass block win grade by PFF this season. Not good, yeah. man. Makes sense. 2022, last year that everyone agreed that the Rams O-line was just awful, trash. We had police academy dudes playing O-line, which was true, but <laughs> that's, you know. They finished the season 24th. So, right now... We're trending way worse than the quote-unquote disaster season. Not good, man. Not good at all. And it's they started out strong, and I get it. You could say, hey, Ian, they're playing the 49ers front. We did, and we handled them pretty good, actually. We played the Eagles front. We handled them pretty good, actually. We played the Colts front seven. They're pretty good, too, actually. You know, Green Bay Packers, their strength is the front seven. And we can go on and on, and we're going to continue to face other good defensive fronts. But that doesn't matter. 
you got to be able to trade blows with these defensive groups. And we're not. We're losing the we're losing the match. We're not going toe to toe. They're they're hitting us. We're not hitting back. <laughs> and I hope to see improvement, man, because it's not going to matter if Stafford's back. If it's the same nonsense of not picking up the blitz well, not picking up defensive stunts well, it's going to be a long year like it already is. I think we need, I think we agree, we need a, a really solid left tackle, like Paul pointed out, and those, you know, Slater and Witt and those guys. It's like we can do that. We, we had uh, Jackson back, note boom, as, as some really good solid backups, like we talked about. Uh, we got Havenstein on the other side. Uh, we could probably live with Shelton, uh, probably not Allen, if we could bring him back. But we're going we're gonna to have to deal with those two, the right guard position and the center position, because those guys, Shelton and Dotson, are both free agents. So Avila's, uh, Avila and, and Havenstein are there. Definitely need a left tackle. And then address the center and right guard position, even though we have some, uh, some bodies that can play there. I mean, Avila could even move over to center and we could use Nat Noteboom and Jackson at guards who are, you know, big guys and know the offense. And so, uh, but probably need to be fair. I think we probably need a, a, uh, a solid left tackle for sure. And then probably a guard or a center. Yeah, And, and, and real quick, while we're on this topic, I keep seeing now that we're getting closer to the end of the season, right? We're, we're closer to the end than we were the beginning now. And, at this time of year, we see all these draft mocks. We're starting to see the really early ones based on the drafts, you know, the, the standings right now, right? And we're unfortunately in the top seven. And I've seen a bunch recently of us taking the quarterback. What? That better not happen. That better not happen unless, you know, staff, if Stafford retires in the, the year, then I get that, right? We need somebody to play quarterback. But no matter whether it's Stafford or this Bo Nix I've seen or whoever else that have been in these mocks, I mean, we need somebody to protect them. So why not keep Stafford, who has been playing well, let's draft an alignment with a high pick or best available player. But I keep seeing these scenarios by PFF, by Bleacher Report, where it's like quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. I'm like, God, these guys are just not paying attention to the squad, are they? They just think a quarterback solves everything, which it – could to a degree, but think about it like this: CJ Stroud. Yes, he was drafted high, but their O line is playing pretty solid actually this season. And what a shock! He's playing phenomenal. He has time to throw. I'm sure if Stafford had more time, he wouldn't have been hurt, and we would have more time to execute our offense. So, for anyone out there, is like, "F it, we just got to go full quarterback." And I get it; Stafford's been hurt and all that, but like. Can we please let's just draft the best player available and preferably an offensive tackle or O lineman? So, for anyone out there, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll take Bo Niggs, I'll take Drake May, Caleb Williams. I'm like, that's not going to solve everything. Please, let's protect the quarterback. That's what matters most. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, yeah, once we figure out what we need, we'll we can kind of summarize at the end and do we go with a, a draft pick, a high draft pick, try and fill one of these starting roles? Uh, or do we try and get a free agent? That's the first half of our midseason roundtable with Ian, Paul, and Tom. Got another hour coming at you tomorrow. Very informative. Taking a hard look at this Ram team and looking forward to next year. What moves we got to make, what this roster might look like 
come September 2024. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.